Hi, Eddie here. Red and I have used Zencaster to record all of our episodes of Punk Rock Elite because it's easy, browser-based, and it gives us separate tracks that are easy for me to edit. It can also be used for 4K video too. Maybe we'll try that one day. It's really easy to use. It can do a lot of the editing for you, clipping out your ums and ahs, and adding an EQ to bring out the best in your voice, all from a single website. If you want to make a podcast but aren't sure how to go about it, then Zencaster provides everything you need to record, edit, and distribute your new show to Spotify, Apple, and a ton of other places that people get their podcasts. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use our code PUNKROCKELITE and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Punk Rock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Punk Rock Elite welcomes you. Hi everyone, it's me, Eddie French. I am again Saint Red Redmond, as they are uh, off treading the boards. Yes, treading the boards in pantomime. They are playing Buttons in Manchester. So it is just me. Uh, They are having a lovely time by the sounds of it. Uh, When I'm recording this, uh, which is the day before it comes out, they have enjoyed their opening night, or uh, it's opening night, as it is uh, legally required to be described. So good work on all of that. Uh, Hello, everyone. If you're listening for the first time, we're a a podcast about no effects. And if you're listening again, hi, nice to have you back. This is the first of two slightly more relaxed episodes that we're putting out before Christmas. Uh, Today is trivia. We haven't done any fun trivia for a little while. So we've done it slightly differently. I found a NoFX iceberg on Reddit. Uh, the iceberg is a... Uh, basically, it's sort of about how deep is your knowledge. The first draft of that Bee Gees song. So we're going to be testing one another, seeing what we can uh, do. I'll put a, a link to it all where you can find it in the description of the episode. Um little bit of uh, a little something I'd like to add here. Um, there is a great band from Manchester called The Mustard, and they will not be called The Mustard for much longer, unfortunately, due to some some people in a band from Surrey in the UK who are called The Mustard, and they decided to trademark the name The Mustard, and then didn't tell. The Manchester Mustard, the one true mustard. Uh, instead, they sent a picture of the trademark certificate to various people, including Punk Rock Elite, specifically us, uh, and to sort of zine and online 
music promotional groups and stuff just sent it without any explanation then when they were asked why they said oh sorry did it by mistake and they've done that to many people um and so they uh so that was how the mustard from manchester the one true mustard found out that they were going to have to change their name because they were the other mustard the inferior mustard were uh basically hinting in a very passive aggressive way that there could be legal ramifications for the one true mustard so the one true mustard are having to have a fire sale of their merchandise um you can get t-shirts uh beanies and tote bags um they'll post them all over the place they're selling them off cheap and they are donating any profits they end up making to charity uh palestinian relief um fund uh so if you want to help out a band who have been treated very very poorly by other musicians which is kind of lame really 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 lame there's more to it but i'm sure if uh, that does get discussed we'll discuss it um with a uh, uh the, the 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 good old boys uh tom and niall over at midlife punk podcast do listen to them if you're not because you get all the uh top new pop groups coming through there and uh niall's new noise so you, you'll get all sorts of cool new punk stuff coming through if you listen to them they've been sort of involved in it as well and uh and so yeah so basically yeah the mustard from manchester the one true mustard do uh could do the little bit of help and uh you know and it's coming up to christmas as well so if you can help them do help them um on to sort of slightly nicer topics we've got a little bit of a uh, little bit of correspondence uh james barber hi james thank you so much for writing in um james writes i'm going to be uh truncating some of this uh but broadly writes firstly huge congratulations on making it through to the last stu- or the latest studio album even if you hated it hate is a strong word but it's difficult when you've had the highs of no effects to also have the lows of no effects um but anyway doesn't matter um but thank you for the congratulations we we do feel we deserve it uh, i love the podcast even though sometimes you're wrong comes to mind when red shares their negative opinions sure i mean red would uh, would believe that some of the things i think are wrong as well uh, we are happy with people being wrong you're allowed to be it's not a problem and wrong rights they're all relative terms when it comes to music appreciation irrespective even if you've become sellouts winky emoji thank you with the introduction of adverts since you got mentioned on no effects's instagram uh, did you think about changing clipping out your ums and ahs to oohs and ahs in the advert at the start it would feel more appropriate you're absolutely right i missed out on the bad religion reference and uh should have thought a little harder um yes okay we did get mentioned by no effects's instagram and then yes adverts did start shortly afterwards to be fair it's not an advert we actually get paid for it's an advert that we do in order to be allowed to use zencaster for free uh so that's that if you do use our link we do get uh money if you use our link and take out a uh, a subscription however that's the only way that we do so 
advert is it sounds like we're doing better than we are and we put our own adverts in uh more than we do uh for zencaster but that's uh, that's how it is but you're right so it would have been better i didn't think it through i just wanted to get it done i think Seriously, I'm really grateful to both of you for making the podcast. You got me to appreciate Ribbed and what went before, to explore their EPs and other non-album recordings, which I've never taken the time to do before. That's where some of their best stuff lives, I believe, anyway, uh, in the EPs and non-album recordings. The uh, the albums are great for the most part, but yeah, some of their EPs are little little gems. I believe you said earlier on in the podcast that it can feel lonely being a no effects fan, so I've really appreciated I've really appreciated realizing I'm part of a wider community as a no effects fan. Thank you. You're absolutely welcome. Yes, I think I I think I might have said that, and I think I meant that a lot of people have an idea of what no effects is and they usually have a sort of quite a narrow view of what it is if they're not fans or they've not really delved into it so people might you might go oh i love no effects and they'll think oh aren't they one of those oh i've done a poo fart 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 bro kind of bands and you're like um eh, sort of but not really as well so you know you can you can find uh you can find that kind of thing so uh two things uh <laughs> Two things, colon, and then he has listed four things. Cool. Fine. Uh, on Pump Up the Valum, shouldn't it be pronounced like vacuum slash valium? Probably. Don't care. Uh, might I suggest Pump Up the Valum, which I... Uh, Pump Up the Valium, which I knew from Punkarama as the strong opening track that you felt the, felt the album lacks. I know it didn't make it onto the album, but that I love that song, and it's the start of the album in my playlist. Interesting. Yeah, well, if that's your canon, that's your canon. Yes, it is a good song. You're right. We haven't mentioned it. We'll go back and pick up all the stuff we missed out. Someone mentioned Stoke Extinguisher uh, an episode or two ago, and you're right. Uh, two, I've bought you a few coffees um, and would like to encourage more listeners to do so. Well, that's entirely up to you. Uh, we do tell you how to do that. And if you have enjoyed this past nine months and you want to do that, please do. The link's in the description. Uh, you can tip us or, or whatever you think. Or just, again, the best thing you can do is share us around with other people. We'd love that. Thank you. Three, please could you shout out to Joe from Belmont, who introduced me to no effects in the 90s through lending me white trash, if he's listening. I appreciate him doing this greatly and hope he knows who he is. Well, Joe from Belmont, thank you for spreading the good word. Shout out. You're one of the punk rock elite, Joe. Four, I like everything they put out, really, even pre-ribs now, thanks to you, but I agree with you that single and double album are certainly far more depressing and introspective around Mike, uh, more towards Mike's Cokie the Clown album, and I've wondered uh, with you whether this might be a reason for the band drawing to a close. Still like those albums, though. Um, perhaps, yeah, maybe maybe the the thing of doing no effects and touring and all that stuff is one of the things that's causing sort of a low mood in Mike, that's entirely possible. Although if you listen to the last line of Koki the Clown, he sings My Family Was Always No Effects. So maybe that's maybe he's torn. He seemed very emotional when doing the shows, all the clips I've seen, and certainly at Leeds he was uh, very upset. Um in my vigorous efforts to catch up to speed since I learned the podcast in November 
ideally before the double album episode dropped and I sent this email, but I failed on both counts. That's no failure, my friend. Having Not having enough time to listen to this podcast means you're having more of a life, and that's a good thing. That creepy thing has happened where I feel I know you both quite well, so I hope you can forgive this email if it comes across as over-familiar. Didn't seem over-familiar to me, but uh, yes, parasocial is a thing, and just being aware of it means you're probably doing all right, so that's fine. Anyway, keep doing what you're doing. I'm a fan and probably write again. Please do. I don't write short emails, so no offence if you edit this down to see uh, how you see fit. No problem. Uh, love, James B. Thank you, James B. Love you too. Um, great. Thank you. Yes, we really appreciate that. And we also have uh, hey, Greg from Jersey. Uh, Greg from Jersey, uh, a briefer one. In fact, just before that, I'm going to say a bit of NoFX news. They've announced some final European dates. Uh, Germany, they're doing Madrid. Uh, at least one in Japan as well. And their, their final US ones. I... At time of recording, I am not going to any of them as I cannot afford it. I was toying with the idea of Madrid as I used to live there, but I realised I don't really know anyone in Madrid anymore, so it would be the same as going to any other place. Uh, I don't have a sofa that I can uh, crash on. Anyway, Greg. Hi, Greg from Jersey. Good afternoon, guys. Listening to your double album review, and I feel I had to write in. Well, then you go ahead and write in, Greg. Although I don't consider it a fantastic album, I do look at it uh, as a collection of songs that are enjoyable to listen to. I do enjoy your critical in-depth look at this album, but I don't really agree much. I don't really agree much with it. Fuck Day 6 is catchy, as is Darby. Punk rock cliche, and is it too soon if time is relative has a cool beat. Heavy Petting Zoo was much worse. Last question. I have picked up on over your podcasts that you are not a fan of bad religion. Interested to hear your thoughts. Well, couldn't be further from the truth for me, Greg. I love bad religion. Uh, Red is less bothered about bad religion, I think. Uh, I think they like them. I'm so, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, to be honest, I don't know if Red even listens to this podcast. Um, they don't tend to because they're on all of them but these recent ones i don't know um we'll find out but i'm going to say that red likes bad religion but i think i like them more than red likes them so yeah i guess so i don't know why what we might have said to have given that impression but anyway um i like i liked fuck day six um i think we both liked uh darby crashing your party Punk rock cliche I thought was kind of dull. I didn't really care for it. I don't know if Red did. I can't remember. Uh, and is it too soon if time is relative? I think I said I actually liked it musically, but it's um, it's songs like that that make me worry that Mike thinks he's going to go into stand-up after all of this because, um, yeah, there was, uh, there was one good joke. Actually, the title is okay for a joke and the other joke i liked and it was uh he's so lazy he only wrote a brief history of time i think that's quite a good line the rest of it it's like it's not really jokes it's just it's just being unpleasant um heavy petting zoo was much worse i don't know about that um i'm still i'm still working through my relationship with heavy petting zoo because i've heard it a lot more and i've known about it for a lot longer so anyway 
All the best, Greg from Jersey. Thank you, Greg. All the best to you as well. Well, uh, yeah, without any further ado, because there's been quite a, there's been more ado than I anticipated, we'll jump right in to the NoFX Iceberg. Enjoy. Well, you can just call us the Titanic podcast today because we're grappling with an iceberg. Yes, and not a lettuce. Nope, no lettuce here. We are sin lechuga. <laughs> None of that vegetarian mumbo jumbo. Whoa! <laughs> we, uh, you're absolutely right. We thought that we would round out the uh, year by being a little more broad about no effects. We've been very specific on individual albums over the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Hope you have too. But we feel that sometimes getting a bigger picture is the best way. Yeah, unearthing the the the, the mysteries, things on the, the, the peripheries of uh, NoFX fandom. Absolutely. Now, I'm only partially familiar with this concept of the iceberg. Are you, mm-hmm. Have you encountered these before in the wild? I, I have. Um, so... I, I, I've seen a lot of, um, there's a lot of like horror film icebergs online. Oh, okay, yeah. Where they're like, oh, up here's like, you know, big mainstream horror movies that everybody's seen. And right at the bottom are like awful, d- depraved movies that are dreadful. Um, right. And I generally disagree with them. Like, I think they're done quite badly. But yeah. the no effects one that we found, I yes. think, is pretty, uh, it's pretty great. Yes. So what what it is basically is there there is a, a picture of an iceberg um, that is used in all of these things, and what it it's it shows you the the tip of the iceberg, as it were, and then the deeper it gets, the you know the the deeper the cut, the more obscure the reference. And somebody on Reddit, um, that's just going to I'm just going to uh, oh the bare minimum band. That's who has compiled this one. So thank you, the bare minimum band on Reddit. You can go and have a look there yourself. It's in the NoFX subreddit. It's, um, it's got basically things that one would know about were one a NoFX fan. Yeah. And as, um, they, as we go deeper, yeah. we go more obscure. Yes. So we're going to go through this iceberg. Hmm. And just see how much we know off of the top of our heads and you know try and uh try and uh, just sort of get a bigger picture of of no effects because i think it's uh i think it's a good thing to do like i say we've gone micro and now we're going macro so to start off the top the top oh it's not even the tip of the iceberg it's above the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. yeah and in that, the top line, Fat Mike, Eric Melvin, El Jefe, and Eric Smelly. <laughs> Eric Smelly? Yes, Eric Smelly. Always good when you see um, uh, uh, a bit of a mistake in the first line of a meme. Yeah. In, in what is supposed to be the bit that all fans know. <laughs> I mean... Eric Smelly Sandin. Yes, and I think that one of the Eric's is uh, with a K as well. I can't remember which. Yes, I'm pretty sure it's 
Oh, actually, I don't know. Is it? Some- I, it could be. The thing is, is that I just don't know how to spell. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Eric Sandin is with a K. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, we've already technically failed. We're going. Oh, look at the mistake. The what is the actual <laughs> answer? So there you go. <laughs> this is. Uh, this is perfect for us pair of posers going around doing this thing. So well, yeah, we've got the members of No Effects. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we can we can probably uh, probably and you know not worry those about are that. the classic members as well. There are a, there's um, I can see at least another original member further down. Oh yeah, there are a couple. Yeah. There, I think I yes, think there are. Them. You're right. Yeah, you're right. there are there are a few down there. Uh, yes, absolutely. So that's that's pretty straightforward that is the that's the lineup that's been there since what 92 mm-hmm. something like that so yep standard okay then we have got uh still in the same section we've got linoleum bob franco on american the bruise the longest line the moron brothers and leave it alone so I mean, these are no effect singles and i do think this gives away the era of NoFX fan that has made this meme. I'm not sure they're all singles. They're like big songs. They are big songs. I don't think the Bruise is a single. I don't think the Moron Brothers was either. And the Longest Line was an EP. But I think the others do have videos. Was released as a single, but I oh, it could well have been very very wrong. With stuff like singles being released, I I don't really care about singles well, no effects say. don't seem to care about singles they don't do singles very often no um like they, they love an ep oh they love an ep uh and a set but they sort of don't do singles they do seven inches and they seem to think there's some sort of difference these are all songs that are going to get a big response if they play them live yes do you think do you think like because i i wouldn't have thought that for the moron brothers i feel like that's I know it's one uh, slightly more popular than an album track. I wouldn't call it just a standard album track, but do people really go their way for the Moron Brothers? Every time I've seen a video of them, like if I've watched, a, you know, they've filmed one of their shows and the Moron Brothers starts off, the audience does it. I think especially in, um, in Europe. Oh, I, okay. I think the Moron Brothers I associate with um germany really liking them is it that's on ribbed isn't it oh okay that's interesting Um, i've i've always preferred the marxist brothers of their brothers songs of their brothers songs oh no it i mean yeah it is better but uh but moron brothers is it's been a staple for a while i think i think it was in their sets for a very long time yes like they they definitely did uh use it and also um you know rancid covered it they did yeah 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 i don't think they've ever done it live though but uh you know that's for another day so pretty much standard fare now we've got to the tip of the iceberg okay we're above the water mm-hmm. we've got lovely white shiny iceberg there so we've got the decline yeah fair enough we've got no effects backstage passport yeah have you watched any of that, by the way? I still haven't. So we're at the tip of the iceberg, and yep. I'm already out. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's a case of being in or out. But um, 
But I mean, certainly you know of it. You, I am you very aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. You well, may have seen a clip here and there. I think we should do like a few, um, you know, maybe into next year, we could do, you know, a run of a few episodes where we, we go through each episode of Backstage Passport. I think that might be fun. No, I think we should do because I also like the idea that we're doing a sort of a reality TV show uh, discussion podcast like <laughs> like like a like about game of thrones or rupaul's drag race or something like that you know game of thrones a, that that famous reality tv show yeah you know what i mean um <laughs> it was very realistic um but no I, just meant, I mean there are tv shows that have their own like spin-off podcasts and for some reason i uh i just remembered game of thrones having like 20 of them because people love to chat about it but yeah if you'd like mm. to hear us um do a do a sort of a deeper dive into the backstage passport then do let us know punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com uh then we've got punk voter rock against bush i'm not familiar with punk voter i'm very familiar with rock against bush well they're, they're connected because punk voter was a website that fat mike uh was involved in setting up mm -hmm. that was basically um showing people how to register to vote because cool. he 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 was so so annoyed at George Bush's first term of presidency that he did the rock against bush thing to raise money for stuff and it was very sort of pro i mean he was sort of you know hoping that John Kerry would win the presidency over a second bush term yeah well i think a lot of people were <laughs> oh he, he tapped into a, a general feeling but mm -hmm. um i think i think also because the 90s had been quite apolitical when it came to music like party politics and stuff there was lots of big racism is bad misogyny is bad there mm -hmm. that kind of thing but nitty-gritty sort of you know I, i'm obviously there were tons of people making music about specific things and being much more than that but it, there was a bit of a it's what happens when generation x are sort of in their 20s mm, <laughs> it's yeah. sort of a bit um a bit nihilistic a bit uh, a bit mope you know that kind of thing come at me gen x's <laughs> i know you guys don't got safe spaces well come in here it's safe as fuck um so I don't know why I'm picking fights with Gen X. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that was that was that one. Uh, it was ultimately uh, unsuccessful, but I think Mike does feel that it was good that he got people more interested in taking an interest in in politics, in actually thinking about who you invite to look after the nation that you live in, and that kind of thing. I, I think it was a good era for mike and no effects because i think also what you got to think is like if they didn't do that with that part of their career what would they have done because obviously like them going political and particularly around like the bush era kind of mm. colors a lot of their releases around that era and yeah. you kind of go like well what would they have done instead because i really like that there was an era where they were overtly political i like that there are yeah. eras where they're overtly sexual or like yeah. overtly um about the local punk scene you know like they've got like different um you know th these are different topics that no effects generally cover and I i'm really grateful that there was like a more um obvious political era because yeah. 
Um, I just, you know, like, I think they would have ended up doing something a bit samey if they weren't doing something so out of the box. It was... It, there's some really angry records that they yeah. released during that time. And I think... I think that anger is something that Mike is very good at channeling. Yeah, and you don't want to be angry at the wrong sorts of things because then it then it comes off. You know, when you're angry at, you know, like uh, the person who runs your country, like that feels like a good thing to be annoyed at. That seem that feels to be quite um, productive to be annoyed at that and about you know, like if you're trying to change something like that. And it's mm. it's better to be angry at that than I don't know the price of sausages at your local Tesco. Although I I am also annoyed about that. Yeah, I mean you've you've <laughs> long been a single uh, a single policy voter on that front, haven't you? Yeah. Like, I will vote for whoever reduces the price of processed meat. <laughs> um, and you know what? It, uh, it, if you know what you're voting for, then you know you're you're successful, I guess. But yeah, most I, po- people vote for awful policies, whereas I vote for awful po- policies. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I mean, I just wish we had a Patreon so we could use that as an example as to why people should join it, but but we don't. So. I think if we had a Patreon, after hearing that joke, people would be allowed to take money out of it. I wish Patreon offered that as an option. <laughs> like, you go, oh, by the way, um, yeah, please, please do. We'll use this so that you can uh, keep creating. Uh, but if if you are really shit at any point... There will just be a button you can press in the app, just going, no, not having that. This month, I'm revoking this month's pledge. Um, (laughs) I I can't help but feel it might be lightly abused, but we'll see. Um, So, yeah, so that was the punk voter. Uh, Me first in the gimme gimmies. Lovely. Lovely. And two members of NoFX have been in me first in the gimme gimmies. Oh, yes, because you said Melvin played, like, bass for them. Melvin played bass. He covered for Mike. on one tour i think i saw a recent uh clip of spike slawson from the gimme gimmies at the punk rock museum he was in a a wonderful matching tracksuit and holding a tiny dog and i thought well that's wonderful i mean no one can accuse spike of living anything less than his best life so yeah (laughs) well done spike um, we move on then. We've got uh, sort of adjacent to punk rock karaoke. Yeah, this is interesting. I didn't know that they were formative with this idea. Well, the the uh, the punk rock karaoke band, Greg Hetson from Circle Jerks Bad Religion. Uh, so he was the one who sort of came up with the idea. Oh, okay. That people, that they would play classic punk songs and people from the audience would get up, sign up and sing for them. So they've done this at Warp Tour and stuff like that, where you sort of have to, you know, get up at X in the morning to sign up and so you can sing Alternative Ulster with these, uh, this all-star band and stuff, <laughs> which is super exciting. But yeah, so they've had, Eric Melvin was an original member. Uh, Jennifer Finch from L7. Derek O'Brien from Social Distortion and uh, Bob Mothersbaugh from Devo. But since then, there's been uh, Steve Soto, uh, RIP, uh, mm-hmm. Stan Lee uh, from, from the Dickies, not oh. from Marvel Comics. <laughs> Stan, Stan, what happened was Stan Lee joined Punk Rock Karaoke 
after it started and then said, when I invented punk rock karaoke, <laughs> I just thought it sounded neat. Um, he Eddie just has Tater, a cameo in everything, doesn't he? He, does, he absolutely does. And then say so he invented it. Um, so Eddie Tater from the Dickies and DI, now currently uh, on drums, is Darren Pfeiffer from Goldfinger. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so he's been in... Uh, yeah, so yeah, the drummer from Goldfinger. I think he's been in some other bands as well. I can't remember what. But anyway, so yeah, they yeah they just have... Uh, just have... Um, they started in 96, apparently. So yeah, that's uh, pretty fun. I've seen some videos of them online. It's always like filmed on a phone from the crowd because someone's boyfriend is singing, you know, <laughs> six pack by um, Black Flag or something. Uh, but it, it does look like a proper genuinely fun show. And all the members uh, always look like they're having a proper good time. So yeah, lovely. Great. Uh, Mystic Records. I'm not familiar with Mystic Records. Mystic was, I believe, the first label that no effects were ever signed to back in the long 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 ago right and they even released an ep or something called so what if we're on mystic <laughs> i don't think it was considered uh very well i don't think it was considered highly in uh in things but you know mike has said that no effects weren't very good for quite a while so yeah yeah so there we go. I don't know much about Mystic Records. Uh, then Fat Records, I think yeah. we know. All familiar. And Epit- yeah, and Epitaph Records. Yeah, which they oh. flirted with in the uh, the nineties. Well, they they were on. They released all their albums on there until might have been until War on Errorism. Yeah, yeah. So they were. I think they put everything from. S&M Airlines onwards, and then they re-released or reissued Liberal Animation on there as well uh-huh. afterwards. So, so now we're just below the surface. So we're getting a little deeper. We've got Negative FX. Not familiar with Negative FX. It's just the band they ripped their name off of. R- really? Yeah, yeah. Negative effects were a band that were around at the time. I don't think they lasted very long, and they just they just lifted the name. I thought the whole thing was like, I, I thought No Effects was just uh, a band name that was easy to spray paint or something. People have said, yeah. I mean, you know how Mike is always talking about how uh, you might not know, but he says in interviews like, he's like oh, I can't lie. I just can't. I'm, I'm just I'm yeah, unable I've heard to lie. That, yeah. I I think he is incapable of lying. I think he's very capable of bullshitting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I which, agree. Which are two different things because the the wonderful thing about well, the way bullshit should work is that you should never expect anyone is going to actually believe bullshit. And that can make it very entertaining. But uh, yeah, so there we go. So negative effects. Uh, fuck the kids. Like an EP, right? Or a couple EPs. Yep, yep. Timmy the Turtle. Same. Yeah. Steve Kidweiler. Ah, now we've got the an original guitar. Oh, is he the original guitarist or is Dave Casillas the original? That's uh it was Dave Casillas because it, they started out as a three piece and the Dave Casillas was the first 
second guitarist, if that makes sense. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Home Street Home Musical. Yeah, which we still haven't listened to, but we would like to do an episode on this, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, bringing in my secret childhood of musical theatre and my teen onward love of punk rock. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that episode where we discuss Home Street Home will also be a musical. Because I do think it's super, super sad that, you know, because my understanding is like COVID kind of mm. ended Home Street Home. And it, it's sad that that project hasn't been reignited in some form. Maybe it will eventually. They did start making like music videos for it mm. and said that it was going to come through in a different form. But I think... I think that with the I punk do. rock museum and everything, I think he's kind of yeah. Moved but on I think your projects, yes, they're, they're, oh yeah, definitely punk rock museum very much took over his whole focus. But I also think that that the idea of doing it in a way that isn't a stage musical is less appealing than actually pursuing it the way the way it should be. Uh, so yeah, so the twenty eighteen Las Vegas incident. It's when. Uh... Melvin made some jokes about some country music fans that did not go down well. Did not go down well. And then Fat Mike repeated them a lot more loudly. <laughs> uh, yep. It is interesting, though, like what does finally get you cancelled? I, I think yeah. they've said worst on records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose that the idea of being cancelled was a lot bigger in 2018 than any yes. of the previous ones. So, yeah, maybe that was it. Mm. We could let's not get into a talk about cancel culture; it's just depressing. Um, so, yeah, so that was that was that that led to them starting the Punk in Droblick Festival. Yeah, because they had no other options, so. You know, they they were able to partially phoenix themselves out of that situation. But I think it was, I think that's when the seed was sown for Mike to go, all right, we'll call it 40 years and then, you know, maybe, maybe. Uh, Ryan Green. Yeah, long-time producer Ryan Green. Yeah, absolutely. The the fat sound, he made it happen on Propaganda's uh, first album and then was forced to replicate it on every fat release for the next <laughs> five years. Uh, bless him. But he's done incredibly well, so uh, good for him. Seems like a decent guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of my, uh, potentially my favourite NoFX producer, like I just think they did some really great work with him. It was it was a real meeting of minds, wasn't it? It was very, very um, potent, that blend. Yeah, mm. so yeah, absolutely. Uh, the seven inch of the month club brackets two thousand and five. Yeah, I, I obviously like. I, I, I was sadly never a member of the seven inch of the month club, but it sounds like a lovely little initiative. Yes, it it, it was something that <clears throat> I would have considered. Not in two thousand and five, I didn't have the money. Um, but just having him sent over to the UK would have just been too too crazy. So yeah, but you can you can listen to them all on uh, on YouTube and stuff. There's some good stuff on there. Um, so, yeah, just they released a 7-inch, 12 7-inches in one year. Easy. 
Uh, Mike's dungeon. Is this his sex dungeon? It's where my boy fucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, you know how I talk. Um, yeah, it's it's where Mike um, is uh, subjugated to all of the S and M stuff that he likes. But does, is this a place that he owns and operates, or is this just, just in his house? It's just in his gaff. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't like run one or or anything. He just. So is this referring to six flogs? Um, it could be. I imagine there was one before. I think he had one in the house he was in before as well. Mm. But uh, yeah, six flogs. There was definitely something going on there too. So that is good. <laughs> um, he's he said far more about his own uh, interests than we've really got time for. But yeah. That's where he does all the rubber and leather and pegging and stuff. So 10 out of 10. The 2014 Sydney assault incident. Is this when he kicked someone in the head? Yes. Because he had a bad back and he's like, don't go on stage and I've got a bad back. And then someone did do that. So he kicked him in the head. Well, they, he said, I've, uh, I've, got a, I've got a bad back. So please. That, and then someone... Within moments, was on stage and like arm around his neck, pulling him in, trying to hug him, and like pushed him away. All of the the like the his the no effects crew were like running in, clearly going, "Oh no!" Because it could have finished the show if they've like pulled his back, made it worse, you know, he, yeah. he, and all this stuff. But yeah, Mike did uh, kick him in the head. the The footage is quite brutal, but as Frank Turner said when we interviewed him. Good. He should have done it more. And I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say that, but um, but you know he uh, it was uh, it was it was regrettable, but um, you know happened. But yeah. you know don't yeah. don't grab if you're on stage with someone, don't just grab them. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of in the same mind. You know, you probably shouldn't kick people in the head, but you also shouldn't grab people. Like it's just no. everyone. All round has is, is, is had a bad time there. No, no one comes out of it gleaming, do they? So, you <laughs> no. know, it's, it's not the way to, uh, to solve problems, but I can totally see, especially if you're in a great deal of pain, you're going to go into a sort of a flight or fight thing, aren't you? Mm. But anyway, um, he can sort it out. That, that was also cleared up. He, uh, he went next time they were in Australia. He uh, he he drank a beer with the guy and then encouraged the guy to kick him in the shin. <laughs> and there's video of that as well. Uh, Brett Gerwitz. Yeah, interesting, because uh, this is like, you know, I suppose they're like second most long-term producer. I don't know. I think he only did one or two. Oh, okay. He only, I thought he, only he did, did like three or four. I think he did S&M Airlines. He definitely did S&M Airlines. Oh, so um, he was earlier than I thought. Oh, I yeah. thought. Um, well, because he also yeah, owns Epitaph Records. So when they, of course, when they signed to Epitaph, um, he produced their first. Which is why there's loads of Bad Religion members singing on um, S and M Airlines. Mm. But uh, no, I don't think. It, I mean, someone like um, oh, his name is completely. Bill Stevenson from uh, Descendants. He's done a l- probably he's probably the second most longest running okay. producer with them. Uh, but yeah, Brett Gerwitz signed No Effects. Uh, they've been friends for a very long time, and is also a founder member of Bad Religion, one of Mike's biggest influences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, Punk Rock Elite. Red Redmond here with a very special announcement. Um, I will be bringing my solo stand-up show to the Frog and Bucket in Manchester on Tuesday the 16th of April. This is a little unusual for me to suddenly do such a big show, but I have a big story to share. The show is called Tram Taylor Red's version. And it's a very wild story about my very real and bafflingly famous cardboard cutout of Taylor Swift. Um, Tram Taylor has been described as a viral sensation and a Manchester institution, subject to national news coverage and even an interview on the Zoe Ball breakfast show. Um, To be clear, I did the interview. The cardboard cutout, you know, didn't have much to say. Uh, It's going to be a great show with a potentially scandalous finale. Tickets are on sale now at frogandbucket.com Tuesday the 16th of April, the day before my birthday. So if you didn't know what to get me this year, buy a ticket. I'll see you there. Enjoy the podcast. Poser is a stand-up show by Eddie French. That's me. All about punk rock, gender, nerddom, and all other things where one is told that they are a poser. If you'd like to come see it, I'm going to be at Leicester Comedy Festival on Saturday the 24th of February. Grey's at LBC Depot, the Courtyard Room, at 6.20pm. That show is free, but you can get tickets online to avoid disappointment. You can come and see me at Glasgow International Comedy Festival on Sunday the 24th of March at 3.30pm at Van Winkle in the West End. That show is £5 a ticket. And you can also come and see me at Brighton Fringe on Saturday the 18th of May, 3.30pm, Laughing Horse at the Temple Bar, and that show is also free. Really, really hope to see you there. Thank you. Uh, Then we got Punkin' Droblick Festival. Yeah, I've um, I've been lucky enough to go to, uh, well, I suppose I didn't go to a Punk and Drublick festival. I went to a Punk and Drublick stage at yep. Slam Dunk Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Punk and Drublick was like a like a globally touring festival uh, before then, um, where they would kind of put on uh, fat rec bands yep. and they generally headline them and they sound wonderful. Yes, they do them sort of. Half day, they put on like five or six, four or five bands. Uh, recently, it's been um, that you have you get free beer tasting until a certain time. Mm-hmm. So you technically you get your little tasting glass, but you basically don't have to pay for beer until a certain time or until they run out. Um, it's just one day. It's in a car park somewhere. You know, it's all self-contained. And it's not sponsored by anyone, and so it's all a bit, uh, you know, all nice and exciting. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it's uh, it's really really clever, and was came out of the uh, twenty fourteen. Oh no, sorry, the twenty eighteen Las Vegas incident. Oh yes, of course. So they would like generally do these in car parks and things because they were struggling to get uh, venues. Yeah, venues would be harassed and hassled and stuff, and it's a lot harder to find out to like access to people who own sort of waste ground isn't it strange though because like i understand there are so many um 
protest that I, you know, I, I fully understand and I, fu- I fully support at the moment. Like, there's a lot of reasons to be furious at y- your government or whoever. Mm-hmm. But it, it does seem strange to me that you would go out of your way to, you know, picket and harass venues because someone did a, a joke about some country music fans dying well, you know about any music fans dying like it was just very clearly a joke and i find it weird that these people would go out of their way to harass venues when it's like oh no but it, it's just it's just a it's a joke like they're like you know like they're it's not um a huge political um injustice no it wasn't a campaign for that kind of thing to happen it would it was yeah. it was an off the cuff yeah. idle joke that was in very poor taste, but being yeah. in poor taste is is not a crime. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, one, I know, I'm, I'm a bit confused by what they. Well, I suppose I do, I do know what they because I was about to say I don't know what they want because like he did apologize, but they don't want that, do they? They, they do want them I, to not play venues. I think I there are people who it's. I think no effects doesn't have the protection that an act on a big label would have. Mm. So they've got the they've got all of the freedoms that come along with not having someone say, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you shouldn't release that. Oh, could you put this out? Oh, could you do a video? I don't know why their manager is so camp. Oh, would you mind doing a video, lads? Thank you. But anyway, they don't have they don't have the camp manager demanding things of them. It, it, it seems odd, though, because I would have thought that throughout their career, they would have such solid relationships with some venues where like this wouldn't be a a problem but i suppose those venues are probably maybe not the right capacity for them to make a profit well they need to they need to be in certain sized venues and most of those will now be owned by ticketmaster that's true actually yeah no you're right like especially in the venues are just owned by massive corporate entities and they they don't yeah yeah. And they and they know and the thing is is that it's easy for them to drop a band like No Effects because they know they can fill it with anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they'll yeah. they'll they'll be able to fill just that doesn't mean there won't be a gig on the 9th of May. Yeah. They'll find something to put in it. You yeah, know? You're so right, yeah. they've got they've got more people wanting gigs than they have days to offer them. So it's easy to just drop a band. Just I think I think the thing that confuses me most is the amount of time that people put into cancelling a band that not many people have heard of i i think it's probably because it was definitely an easy win yeah yeah you're probably right you can't cancel you too i wish you could oh uh, please but i mean you know what i mean like uh, you know foo fighters dave grohl makes an off-color joke and i think dave grohl I don't, I don't know whether Dave Grohl would do that, but you know let's say he did i've heard some right naughty rumors about dave grohl but you know really yeah Right, wow. naughty ones, naughty rumors, which is his uh, Fleetwood Mac covers band. Naughty rumors does sound like uh, you know, like when when they play Glastonbury under a different name. Yeah. Like, oh, I wonder who Naughty Rumors are. Oh, I wonder if it's Fleetwood Mac. Oh no, it's, yeah. it's Foo Fighters. It's Foo Fighters, yeah. But they're all dressed as Lindsay Buckingham. I like that uh, at Glastonbury where they're like, "Oh, there's going to be a special guest," but these days you just know, "Oh, so that'll be Dave Grohl then, will it?" Yeah, one of his <laughs> Dave Grohl and some people near him. Um, but you know, if Foo Fighters were put in the same position, I think there's, I mean, plenty of No Effects fans probably went, it's not the best thing you've ever said. You've been funnier. 
Um, the one time you choose not to talk about drugs, Mike, and it's this. Honestly, come on. What is what is your game? Um, you know what they should have done, which would have been really funny. And why didn't they? Why didn't they release a country album? Like, come on. Like, that'd be so funny. They, that would be already so done funny. I've done that in Me First, but... Um... I'll have... Oh, Me course. first and the Gimme Gimmies did a, a country album, yeah. Like, oh, that would have been so funny. No effects doing, you know, like Islands in the Stream. Like, that's what I want, you know? <laughs> it would have been, uh, yeah, I don't know what is a sort of a very, very sarcastic <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, they should have, you know, like, should have. Joe Bonamassa should have taken him on tour. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good, yeah. They should have done a, a West Coast Wessex style split with Steve Earle. <laughs> that would have been something i don't know i think um but i think i think actually i think a lot of people i think mike was a bit upset that a lot of not, not many people sort of spoke out in defense of no effects because they were worried about the backlash as well yeah that is bullshit so you know that's a bit of a shame um but it did lead to the punk and droblick festival but it arguably led to them not touring anymore Mm-hmm. But we don't know. That, that That's not just a one-issue thing, is it? Anyway, we're down to our fourth tier. So we're we're below the surface. We're getting darker. There's less and less light. <laughs> so we've got uh, Nubs. Yeah. Tally Osborne. Great to see her here. I saw a picture of Nubs on her social media the other day at the Grand oh, Canyon. Oh, wow. Well, I suppose she's in Nevada now. She's from Canada. Hmm. But she moved to Nevada to work at the Punk Rock Museum. So she's one of the regular guides. This uh, this next one I have no context for. And it, I want to find out what it means. What is Eric Smelly Rolling Stone picture? Wow. <laughs> Eric Melvin appeared in Rolling Stone. So not... Oh, okay. Sorry, not Melvin, Eric Smelly. Eric yeah. Smelly. So it's because they've called him Eric, so I've immediately gone to Eric Melvin. So Eric Smelly, which is his new name. <laughs> He's like a Mr. Man. It is very much like that, yeah. So Smelly was in an issue of Rolling Stone in about 1992. Sure. Just around the time he was getting off drugs. Mm-hmm. But the picture is of him mainlining heroin. <laughs> It was a posed photo by a photographer that asked him to do it, and it went out after he had got clean. Ah, uh, that's sad. So, because as we know, the rough timeline is is they recorded White Trash, mm-hmm. and the day after White Trash, they'd finished recording, Eric Smelly went off to rehab. And went in there, they said, uh, oh, yes, hello, can I take your name, please? They said, it's Eric Smelly. And they went, oh, yes, we've been expecting you. <laughs> um, and then he, he successfully kicked heroin and, and has done, uh, it's, uh, there's, there's a, I'm half remembering this from the book, which I've not read for a, a while. But he, uh, yeah, so, so it meant that after he'd done the work, got clean, was, you know, walking out, blinking, bleary-eyed into a bright new sober world, and everyone is reading Rolling Stone, and there's him with his. He's, I think he's still got his dreadlocks. I think he might have cut them off when he was in uh, in rehab or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, 
with uh, you know full on taking heroin. It's a strange one because I I, I can't remember the the article was about drug use. Um, uh in in the music world and stuff like that and um he's uh he's, he's an interesting uh drug user uh courtney love called him the worst fucking junkie she'd ever met <laughs> how do you how do you be bad at being a junkie what yeah, you have all his teeth like <laughs> yeah yeah now apparently he would just vomit all the time he was just constantly being sick oh that's sad because the smell of cooking up made him sick um and coming off it because he was constantly on and off it coming off it made him sick he was just really sick all the time um but that was when he did have a, a brief fling with courtney love oh wow oh that's and interesting so and so she know so presumably kurt cobain didn't vomit anywhere near as much and he's like what a what a clean and clever junkie <laughs> i don't know i i used to know a lot about kurt and courtney or i used to have a lot of half heard rumors and information about them so but i can no one can say what went on but yeah so that's uh that was eric smelly rolling stone picture mm. so uh fatal i'm not familiar with fatal that is uh where fat mike sells pants oh i am familiar with fatal i have i have heard of fatal fat mike's uh knickers for geezers the it's good. Um, yeah, so it's, if you want uh, laces or frillies, um, but you are boy-shaped, you can buy them from Fat Mike. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Uh, Café de Grand. Yeah, I'm not familiar with a lot of these, actually. I think I think we've probably got to my bit of the iceberg that, you know, we, we, we're past my uh, sphere of knowledge. Okay, so... Um... We are at the moment. Red is uh, feeling a little bit like they're looking at this iceberg from underneath in a submersible made out of a tin can with a PlayStation controller. <laughs> Hashtag too soon. Cafe de Grand was a, a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant that used to allow punk gigs. Okay, that was sure. where a lot of like the LA scene took place. Basically, just places that weren't really venues but would allow all ages shows to happen provided you you know tidied up after yourself so yeah they were just they just allow music to happen and cafe de grand was one of them and i think it was where no effects did a lot of their early stuff or congregated and that kind of thing that's really interesting because i know like um for instance the the boston comedy scene was birthed in uh chinese restaurants I believe the the Don Ho was like the birthplace of alternative comedy in Boston, and oh, it was right. a similar thing. You know, like yeah. uh, they were super busy in the day when like the buffet was open, but like um, in the evening they didn't really have anything, and they were just kind of open to different sorts of events. As long as you could fill it out, they were happy yeah. to have you, and um, that's why so many, I suppose, alternative art and culture like punk rock and stand up comedy. Uh, happened in 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 Chinese restaurants. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very strange thing. So th- there are some people for whom like their formative ideas of the comedy that they now make, or the music that they now make, or the scenes that they're involved in, have all got a sort of bring back an olfactory sense of sort of you know 
six-hour-old buffet smell in the background, which is incredible. <laughs> so it must be incredibly surreal. Um, so there we go. Uh, idiot son of an asshole. Well, this is to do with George Bush. Yes. But is this when they... Did he say that, like, did he change, like, the lyrics on, like, Franco on American on a Letterman or something? No. It, they were doing that song around the same time. Basically, that song could have been on War on Errorism. It was a song oh, they yes. only ever did it live. Yes. No, I remember now, yeah. Uh, they used to do it a lot. Um, and they also used to blend it sometimes with uh, Wig in a Box from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, okay. This was before... Mike was open about his uh, cross-dressing and all the rest of it. And so just saying, I really like Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Ask me why. No, uh, so, um, <laughs> but yeah, so would uh, sing Wig in a Box uh, in uh, part of it as well. Because that's sort of similar chord sequence. It wasn't too difficult to finagle it in. So yes, I saw them a few times when they played that. And uh, I'm glad, to be honest, I'm glad it didn't go on War and Errorism because I think it's a bit too silly a song. Yeah, sure. And I think it would have changed the tone of the album a bit. Uh, Dave Casillas. Yes. Yeah, a a former guitarist. Former guitarist, yes. Uh, So there we go. Dave Casillas was on, uh, on the first album. Hmm. and then uh, was on the first album and then Steve Kidwiler was on the second and third and then since then we've had Hefe Hooray so yeah, thank you Dave, you did nice uh, Mike's back problems well I suppose we mentioned this a little bit um, yes. with the 2014 incident Yes. Um, and my understanding is that's why he plays his Dan Electro bass apparently it's a hollow body and it's yeah. incredibly light um, and I think you can also like, if you see videos of Mike playing at all over the last 10 years, if someone goes like, he's got a bad back, you go, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's just got a bad posture. <laughs> yes. His back isn't great. He, um, <clears throat> there was a, uh, there's a story of a gig they did in Germany, one of their early European tours where he threw out his back so badly he had to lie down on a sofa on the stage with the microphone bent over him. Wow. Yeah, which is wild commitment. You know, I'm I'm actually really surprised that Mike hasn't got really into yoga. Like, it feels like it's in the remit of something that he could get hyper-focused on, and it would do him a lot of good. Maybe he low-key is into yoga, but he doesn't want to tell people. Maybe. I mean, I know uh, Bill Stevenson of uh, Descendants All and producing loads of stuff, including No Effects. He's mm-hmm. been into yoga since the 80s. Yeah. Um, like someone, he said, uh, I was listening to, was it In Defense of Scar? One of those podcasts like that where he was on it. And he was uh, given, basically someone was, he was complaining about a stiff back or something. And then a friend of his went, wait here, ran into the bookstore, like the second-hand bookstore they were next to, and came back out with this tattered thing, this tatty book, um, and just said, just do these. And he's like, and I do them, and I've been doing it forever, and it is insane how agile I am. Because he's like a big lad as well. He's not like <clears throat> he's not like a sort of a health fanatic, but he's like just doing these things. He's like, it's especially good if you do it immediately after having played a full set when your muscles are yeah. really, really warm and stuff. Um, so he is surrounded by... And you know Melvin's done yoga. 
Yeah, you fair. just know it. You just know it. Um, so yeah, maybe he does. It's weird that Mike would do something that he doesn't talk about incessantly, but that's possible. So yeah, he's uh, got back problems, that which is a shame. No effects shorts. I'm not familiar with this. Did they film some short films on tour or something? I'm pretty confident they're talking about garments. Oh, yes, because you, you can buy no effects shorts. I owned a pair. Oh, really? Yeah, I had a pair of shorts uh, and they had no effects just on the bottom of the left leg, right at the front. They had uh, regular pockets and one sort of cargo style side pocket. And it had a little loop on it that was like for like a belt chain thing. But I had those when I was in my teens. I might still have them somewhere. I probably wouldn't have thrown them out because I don't throw away clothes because I assume one day I'll be thin again. So, uh, or the same shape I was when I was 17. But uh, yep. There's all sorts that they've had. Yeah, that, that I don't know that I don't know that uh, a lot of other bands release shorts as official apparel, but No Effects did. Huh. Uh, the next one I think is a little rude. <laughs> Let's have <laughs> a look. Uh, El Jefe's background acting. It's not just background acting, is it? Like, I'm pretty sure he's had some sp- some spoken roles. Yes. Um, he he started doing extra work. Like, he did start out doing extra work with a view to doing um, foreground acting. I don't know what the opposite is. Um, and he started doing improv and stuff um, during one of NoFX's longer hiatus. Hmm. Uh, he's just been, if you've seen him on socials recently, he's been doing a lot of stuff. Um, he was, uh, doing a lot of the striking with the SAG AFRA stuff, the, um, uh, Oh, okay. Great. All, all that kind of thing. So he was, he was on the picket lines. He's been retweeting and, and putting in his stories, all sorts of stuff about that. Uh, yeah. So he's most frequently was in Mayans, the, uh, spinoff of Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. About the Mexican, he plays it, and then eventually he got a name. His character is called Smokey. Lovely. Uh, and if you see his guitar recently, he actually has a Mayans decal on his scratch plate. He got made, someone made him a new scratch plate for his guitar, so uh, it's now got a little image uh, under the strings, which is kind of fun. Um, I started watching Sons, uh, started watching Mayans, and then it wasn't until the first episode I realised it was a Sons of Anarchy spin-off. I was like, "This feels very familiar." Um, <laughs> I just hadn't hadn't realised. Um, and because uh, because uh, Henry Rollins was in the main show, right? He was. Yeah, he played a like a white supremacist, which I, I hear here was very good. Sons of Anarchy was fine. Like that that particular oh that bit was... I hear was good. Yeah, no, it was good. And he was good in it. Um, just because, you know, being an aggro meathead for some reason seems to suit him. Weird. I know. Isn't it insane? But uh, yeah, because I, I was quite excited about Sons of Anarchy because I really liked The Shield. And then uh, I watched Sons of Anarchy and went, cool, cool. Yeah, very different shows. They are. It's fine. But every so often, someone from The Shield turns up, and you're like, why has Dutch got grey hair? This show is stupid. But um, anyway. So, yeah. So, uh, that's it. But he's been in some movies as well, some indie movies and stuff. So, yeah. 
but it is rude to talk. El Jefe's acting would have been a, a much nicer thing to say. You're, you're right, it is a bit rude. Um, so yeah, Heavy Petting Zoo cover, banned. Was this banned in a European country? Or was this I just generally it was, banned? I think it was just, I think a lot of places wouldn't carry it. Probably Walmart and stuff. But wasn't this like a vinyl variation? Like? No, no, no. Well, the, the front cover is a man fingering a sheep. Oh, I thought that was just a variation cover. No, no, no. The back cover, uh, no, uh, the vinyl is uh, a guy 69ing a sheep. And it's actually not called Heavy Petting Zoo. It's called Eating Lamb. And don't judge him. You don't even know him. <laughs> he's, he's a farmer. They all do it. Why are you going after that one farmer? That is <laughs> I just mental. think they found out how to milk a cow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thought they were wanking it off. Um, it's just, I don't know why you guys are all on fire. All right, then. Stop all right, being fine. weird, guys. Yeah. You don't, you don't want farmers to fuck stuff? All right. How's about you don't eat anything then? How's about that? <laughs> yeah? Where are you getting your dinner from now? All the farmers are going out there not fucking stuff. You guys are weird. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. Um, Let the farmers fuck. Exactly. What is this? We want a load of fuckless farmers. <laughs> This is you uh, people. You, you, you're disgusting. It's just high, cancel culture. I'm trying to cancel know, the farmers from fucking people. The, do you know what you are? This is absolutely insane. You are worse than Tesco's for fucking farmers right now. It's just awful. Um, you and that more brings us than Monsanto. Oh, sorry, I'm just getting off. I'll talk now. No, it's good. It's uh, it's good. Yeah. Oh, we can fuck the farmers. They can't fuck. This is this is insane. <laughs> Not every farmer is a bottom. I don't know what you're thinking here. This is <laughs> this is mental, guys. Um, so, oh, that brings us to the end of the fourth. We're on to the penultimate depth here. We've got the the iceberg is narrowing. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite, or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. So we've got uh, Greedyocracy. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Greedyocracy. I think it's just one of the terms that Fat Mike has coined. Oh, that's not fun. Are you sure he didn't just watch Idiocracy one night and then I go? Mean, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but it was called Idiocracy, not Greedyocracy. <laughs> but yeah, he does that sometimes. He, uh, what other one? Norsome, which is not awesome. Sure. And... Um, Oh, there was another one as well. Um, but yeah, apparently he came up with a like a fun word or spoonerism or pun thing. And then he'd Google it and go, no one else has ever said that. Brilliant. So that's nice. <laughs> uh, Houston, Warped Tour 98. Is this when he made fun of... Um, oh, what's that band? Oh, Under Oath. Yeah. No, 98's a bit early for that. Ah, okay. No, I couldn't find anything about this, about Houston specifically. But I can tell you some of the lineup of the Warped Tour 1998. It was the fourth Vans Warped Tour. Great. 
the tour headline has included Bad Religion, Cherry Poppin' Daddies, Deftones, No Effects, Rancid, Reverend Horton Heat, and The Specials. Wow. Also Why played, are the specials there? Yeah. All the Aquabats, Blink-182 were there pre just before they exploded. So, 98, that had been quite lowly. And then 99, around that time, that's when, you know, all that stuff. Dropkick Murphys were on. Get Up Kids, Hepcat, High Standard, H2O, Incubus, ugh, Kid Rock, um, <laughs> The Vandals, Voodoo Glow Skulls, Swinging Utters, Stained. Come on, guys. Stained. Who remembers Stained? stained? <laughs> God, he sounded bored of his own fucking band. Um, we all were. The Slackers, um... No use for a name, MXPX and Mad Caddies. Great. Amongst many, many others. Um, so, yeah, so it was uh, Houston. I I don't know if there was some sort of incident that was probably being naughty. Oh, do you know what? It might be. I know that I think once, uh, was it a Warped Tour or something like that? But basically they um, they play, they felt they played very badly. So they threw their retainer into the crowd. They threw the money that they were paid in cash into the crowd because they felt they'd done such a bad show. It wow. might be that one. I know that that existed. Um, that could have been a club show, though. But uh, I, I figured that would be around this time. But um, mm. oh wow, uh, the July eighteenth concert in Somerset, Wisconsin. Uh, Float Right Park was merged with the heavy metal festival Ozfest for the first and only time, resulting in a 12-hour, six-stage, 48-band event called Oz Gets Warped. Wow. And then what, when they got... Was that just so Ozfest could pick up Kid Rock and Stained? <laughs> like a divorced parent meeting him at the services, dropping him off for the weekend. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, so I don't know about that. Uh, propaganda feud. Well, th- this is around war and errorism time, isn't it? Because I think they were very against the whole rock against Bush, you know, like th- they would argue, you know, like getting into bed with the head of the Democratic Party isn't very punk. Yeah, that was basically it. Um, uh, and I think they had a song... <clears throat> propaganda song with the lyric when did punk rock become so safe don't make me fucking laugh um and then um one celled creature was about uh propaganda in response to one off of uh wolves so yeah they used to i oh, mean okay uh, yeah and i know that fat mike was really loves the first two propaganda albums and doesn't like anything they've done since because it was like you know metal basically <laughs> I, I'm I'm weird with propaganda. I need to sit down and give them more time, I think. But I think a thing that I find with propaganda is like uh there's just a certain point in their career where they, they just take themselves incredibly seriously. But then like my understanding is they actually don't it, I don't know, it's a no. weird thing, isn't it? Like it, personally they don't take themselves seriously, but their music sounds like they are taking themselves very seriously. They, yeah, they. I think it's just how high he holds his guitar. It it makes me feel ill. Yeah, there is something about that. But if, if there is a there's a certain amount of 
he does a lot of like character songs and stuff so like there's that song which starts oh, okay. with, i like to party fucking hard i like my rock and roll the same and loads of people aren't able to discern his sarcasm and just go fuck i like this as well and then get really <laughs> weirded out when uh, they find out that propaganda think they're cunts so it's um uh yeah but they they're two very different people i think they like propaganda are actual anarchists mm. um and mike is you know uh, he's a, a capitalist a conscientious <laughs> capitalist i suppose yeah no. yeah okay that's like, fair that's i think fair. um i think um <laughs> oh god well i think like fat records moved to a different um t-shirt like a merch person so they weren't using sweatshop products yeah. in their merchandise t-shirts and stuff which was after one of anti-flag oh dear uh came and and sort of explained to them about that kind of thing so you know mike is not a a hardcore capitalist but he is he is a capitalist uh with you know who wants things to be good for everybody and there are fewer of those than there really should be but that but doesn't doesn't matter what kind of a capitalist you are an anarchist will not that will not wash so that's why which is a shame because i think that mike really does really love those first couple of propaganda albums uh so seven inch of the month club 2019 yeah i guess uh there's another seven inch of the month club i didn't know that they only did it like twice yeah looks that way um i couldn't tell you which ones came from which but yep there you go just another 12 seven inches in a year uh crystal sphere no idea. I believe Crystal Sphere was the name of Mark Curry's band. Oh, okay. That El Jefe was a member of. Oh, right. I thought El Jefe just played with him when he was just Mark Curry, but he played with him before that. I think his backing band might have been called Crystal Sphere. Sure. And then I think, oh, yeah, I think, yeah, so he was the singer in Crystal Sphere, and then he basically he got signed, but his band didn't. So it might have been like... I think it's something like that. I can't. I can't remember one hundred percent. But that's that's what I believe it is. Uh, Colossal Wassel Records. Not familiar. Proto Fat Wreck it was the first label that Mike came up with. Oh, okay. Possibly before he was even called Fat Mike. Yeah. What was he just called? Colossal Mike back then. He was called Colossal. Uh, I don't know. He was just he was just Mike. But uh, when he went to college, he went away to college, and because they gave you like a meal card where you could get three meals a day from the you know refectory or whatever, came back and he'd gained quite a bit of weight, and so everyone was like, "Oh look, Mike got fat. Oh, it's Fat Mike." And then he's been called Fat Mike ever since, irrespective of whether he's been thin or fat. Hmm. There we go. Uh, Kill All the White Men, banned in Canada. I mean, that sounds hilarious. Yeah. I do, re- I do remember when um, the, they some, some white nationalist group in Canada did try to get um, no effects banned from playing Canada, citing Kill All the White Men as them being anti-white racists. Which is, you know, like it's the only acceptable form of racism, really. It's it's one I actively engage in uh, engage with on a, on a regular basis, so, you know. And actually, that do you know what I, I do know some white people, and they don't mind me calling them that. So you know, 
maybe <laughs> maybe you're the racist so yeah that was um canada of all places the great white north wanting to keep white say up <laughs> that's that um 10 years of fucking up i'm familiar with this but i forgot what it is it's it was a, a video a vcr released in 1993 ah. of just footage of the band up until that point so yeah from like them playing like house parties and stuff it's it's it don't go if you want really high fidelity well-played music but it is interesting just seeing them messing around and stuff it's kind of in cha- kind of endearing hmm. there you go uh rubber bordello this is the like the is it a porno the mike made it's certainly a fetish film i don't know how pornographic it is yes fetish film yeah 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 fetish film he made with soma snake oil and he um co-composed or he composed and, and sort of was orchestrated with someone else the music for it it won a, a fucky or whatever the internet porn awards are called they're called woodies woodies mm-hmm. so yeah run a one should be called run, fuckies though should be called fuckies um much funnier um and the vegas punk house is this the new is this like like his new house in vegas it's not it was actually a it was essentially a really really high quality airbnb before airbnb but yeah mike owned a house in vegas that he hired out to holiday makers and it was decorated with flyers from punk shows there was a pbr um can machine dispenser so you could get perhaps beer um and uh yeah it was on like it was really close to the strip and stuff like that you could have up to six six or eight people staying there and stuff and uh it was just uh just a place to stay in las vegas that was just dead punk Hmm. so there you are there all right we've reached the deepest darkest depths of no effects yeah how do you feel it's been so far uh enlightening Yes, you've you've found out more stuff. Yeah, and, and hopefully listeners have as well. Um, if there's anything here that you think should be on here, do let us know. Yes, absolutely. Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, what would you have added on? Uh, have we got anything wrong as well? Uh, have I have I been misinformed or misremembered or, or anything like that? I'm sure you will do. Uh, but please do let us know. So we're about to launch into our final chunk. Cyber tracks, not to be confused with Tesla's cyber trucks. Oh, do they have cyber trucks? Oh, have you not seen the cyber truck? It looks like the car that Homer Simpson draws in The Simpsons. <laughs> They're ludicrous. Um, Let's have a look. And um, oh, Elon Musk keeps saying, oh, yeah, but they're bulletproof. It's like, oh, all right, sure. I'm just going to the shops, Elon. That might be a problem for you. <laughs> um, I mean, do you know what it looks like? Someone was playing like a, an 8-bit racing game. <laughs> yeah. And Musk walked past and went, what is that? It's, it's just, just it's a very polygonal, PlayStation 1, yeah. isn't it? It's a polygonal um, 
fucking yeah it's ps1 more than a but yeah it's, it's like a... you've had to build a car but the only the only materials you have are lara croft's tits from the early <laughs> edition of tomb raider it is the lara croft tit truck isn't it <laughs> there's i'm just i've just typed it in and just looking on google images there's one that looks like a hearse <laughs> there's sort of a flatbed version there's a sort of a stretch humvee i mean <laughs> It just looks fucking. Uh, a silly boy that guy is. Anyway, um, no Cybertrax, uh, record label started by Al Hefe and his wife. Oh, that's nice. Yep. I'm actually surprised that NoFX haven't done any songs mocking Elon Musk. It feels like, you know, like mocking billionaires in general. They don't seem. They don't, I can't think of a song where they have like specifically gone. Like they, they make fun of like businessmen and corporate culture, but I am surprised that they aren't. There aren't songs about billionaires. Um, but I suppose more recently, their more recent releases, a lot of the songs are about. Oh, remember the punk scene in the eighties? They're a lot. They're not. They're quite insular at the moment, or not insular, but inward looking. Well, they, they don't do the social commentary they used to do, which I, I, I love no effects for. I, I wish they'd yeah. go back to yep. a little bit of that here and there. Well, who knows? We'll, we'll see about the next, uh, the next album when that comes out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So who knows? Maybe. It's, <clears throat> I don't think you can detach Mike from the period of his life that he's living. And that's true of many, many people. That's not a, a, a failing on him. But because he dictates the way the, the you know he dictates the lyrics, all of the things will just be what he's thinking about, which you know again is entirely his prerogative. Yeah, uh, nineteen eighty four demo. I don't know what that is. It's probably just the demo they recorded in nineteen ninety four. I think. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think it was one that basically you just no one's hearing. Like played it to a few friends and just went. No, actually, this this is garbage. Sure. So there you go. Um, that's I, I'm, I may be remembering two things and smushing them together, but that's happened before. Uh, Pink and black records. Oh, I don't think I know any of these remaining ones at all. Pink and black was an imprint of Fat. Okay. Uh, named after Erin Burkett's two favorite colors. And my two favourite colours, actually. Uh, but they didn't know that then. Um, <laughs> they don't know it now. Uh, and it was for... It was to try and get more women on fat, basically. It was for femme-fronted or femme bands. So you had Fabulous Disaster. Um, you had uh, Dancehall Crashes released uh, their album Purr through that as well. I don't think it's around anymore. I think it's just sort of a legacy imprint. It still does those things, but that's what that is. Uh, Party Animal Comp. Did they have a a competition to see who was the biggest party animal? (laughs) I love the idea of that. Uh, Depending on when it happened, uh, Eric Smelly would either be first or last. (laughs) Yeah. I, I'm assuming it's short for compilation. Yes, I would have thought so. Uh, nope, haven't got a clue. Great. <laughs> yep. Have a look. 
Uh, no, but I've uh, I typed in party animal comp into Google and Discogs offered me the ultimate party animal, 1996, uh, which is got Wigfield, Gina G, M People, D Ream, Sister Sledge, Black Box, <laughs> Corona, Snap, Shakademus and Pliers, Outer Brothers, Two Unlimited. Good God. Um, Robson and Jerome. All the big hitters. All the big hitters. Um, and Ian Jury and the Blockheads. Why not? Fine. Uh, it's a three CD compilation of you put that on and you've got a whole party. Um, I add no effects to the search. Oh, Party Animal 1984 vinyl. Come on, Discogs, you. You loaded faster last time, you piece of shit. Well, it looks like it's got ill repute and some other stuff, so I'm guessing it is a... Uh... Oh, wow, it's just not loading. Okay, not to worry. Well, I'm guessing it's a uh, a compilation that was uh, hugely inspirational to no effects. That's my guess. Yeah. Hefe's Nightclub. This sounds like something that should be in a GTA game. <laughs> like, come on. Wouldn't GTA 3 be better if you could go to Hefe's nightclub? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, he should yeah. be a voice in a GTA game. I don't know why I think that, but I, th- I think that very strongly. And I mean, Hefe should he- be in GTA. With Hefe's abilities, he could be several voices in a GTA. Absolutely. There should be, you should be able to, you know, like um, how sometimes, like in San Andreas, you can sit down and play Asteroids, essentially, at your yeah. home games console. There should be a bit where you can sit down at a TV and watch Saturday morning cartoons, but they're all voiced <laughs> by El Jefe. That's a remarkable idea. Yes, you ought to have a word with Rockstar. I think they're based in Leeds now, aren't they? Or one of them is. Scotland. Oh, moved to Scotland. Glasgow, yeah. Ah. Well, uh, yeah. But they might have one. an office in Leeds, maybe. I think I know some people who worked for Rockstar at the Leeds office, but yeah, because one of them was, uh, I think he'd designed some rocks for Red Dead Redemption 2. Ah, uh-huh. so he is he is their rock star. He is <laughs> their star of rocks, yes. He was um, he was really dull. Nice, <laughs> but you know. He, he defo won't listen to this, so he was nice. Now, Hefe, uh, El Hefe had a nightclub for a little bit called Hefe's. Great. And he used to put on lots of different... Because Hefe likes a lot of different music, he used to put on lots of different nights. So he'd have hip-hop one night, punk rock another one, all that kind of stuff. So there you go. Moto, triple X. Is this um, something to do with the triple X franchise with Vin Diesel? No, I think it's motocross. The um, I think uh, the 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 motorcycling extreme sport i've got um i'd like to use now as an opportunity to pitch a sequel idea for the fast and the furious oh yes um i don't watch those movies anymore but i do have an idea that would make them a lot of money because we've recently had fast and the furious x i believe you know fast and furious 10 well how about fast and the furious Triple X, okay, Vin Diesel, he's playing two characters, okay? He's playing Vin Diesel in the Fast and the Furious universe and his long-lost brother cousin something 
um that his character that he played in the triple x franchise i forget his name it's like zane something it's uh it's uh, is it uh, isn't it uh, naughty's extreme isn't that his name <laughs> what's his character name it is something stupid like it's uh xander cage sure so you've got xander cage and the other vin diesel yeah like, like you know you know like um you know like uh eddie murphy and <laughs> in in nutty professor 2 the clumps yeah yeah but it's just like or lots Norbert. of Vin Diesels. Maybe have like a baby Vin Diesel. Get Groot in there as well. Are Riddick. you just looking? You... <laughs> multiverse, come on! You're just doing bigger you're picture. Just, you're just doing the the Vinny D multiverse. This is this is how executives make money in 2023, Eddie. Okay, they just go right multiverse. <laughs> I've I've never felt more like I'm propaganda and you're no effects right you, now. You know how like <laughs> ten years ago everything was a zombie film. Well, now it's yeah. all multiverse. No, it is multi. Yeah, that's and true. And you need lots of Vin Diesels. <laughs> Guys, be like I've, Jet Li and the One, but with lots of Vin Diesels. I've had a look at the rushes, and there's one Vin Diesel. What the hell are you lot playing at? <laughs> Why do I even pay you pricks? <laughs> it's the the, the 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 fourth sequel to Girl in the Dragon Tattoo. The the author had died, so like, well, how do we make a fourth one? And some other writer was like, I know, she's got a twin. <laughs> Fucking hell. Some other writer was that. Okay. <laughs> well, what have they been previously writing on? Bloody Madison Avenue or whatever it's called. Bloody, <laughs> you know, telenovelas and shit. But back at the podcast, what is Moto Triple X? It is, I believe, um, that Smelly was uh, an investor or a backer in a team or a, a group of, of um, motocross riders. Oh, okay. And um, he uh, he did really, really well out of it. And were, they were very much like underdogs. He was like bankrolling a lot of it is when no effects are doing very well. And obviously, because he doesn't drink or do drugs, or anything, you know, he had, he had a reasonable amount of disposable income. So, um, so yeah, Eric Sand in motocross. Um, swamp. Oh, yeah, he was a rider. Uh, mo- on Swamp Moto Live, you can see his racer profile. Um, so yeah, so he was uh, he was a motocross rider and stuff. He needed something to get a bit of a rush, and so he was involved in that. Again, most of this is probably from the book, and I could have remembered it a lot better close to the time I did the book. But yeah, he likes motorcycling. Uh, Honest Don's records. It's a record store. It's uh, it's a lovely idea. It's not. It's uh, it's another label. It's another subsidiary of Fat, and um, it's where they put. Is it band... something to do with Don Ho? No, no. It's oh. just uh, honest Don. It's just made it sound like a um, uh, a um, what do you call him? Like a used car sales guy. Sure, but yeah, used it for um, uh, used it for bands that didn't have the fat sound. So this is where like millions of dead cops released on this, Mad Caddies released on this, uh, the Riverdales, Chicks Dig It, Teen Idols, Dancehall Crashes sort of released their old record, um, and stuff like that. So um, the Muffs 
did uh, an album on there and stuff like that. Citizen Fish, Real McKenzie's, um, Nerf Herder, Bad Astronaut. So any anyone that wasn't really fat sounding, but Mike wanted to put out, could do it without um, altering the brand, I guess. Hmm. Uh, Spun Melvin's. No idea. It was his coffee shop. Oh, yes. What a strange name. Yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, the Thistle Hill Tavern. Did they own a bar? You're not far off. Mike was a heavy investor or part owner of a restaurant in New York. Oh, okay. New York. Oh, That's fi- interesting. I yeah. thought it would be in LA or something like that. Yeah, I don't know why. He just, just decided to go in. It was probably... The chef was probably someone who'd been in a punk band in 1982. <laughs> and he was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll give you big million or something. I don't know how much it was, but yeah. So that was what it was. Um, it was quite a high-end restaurant from what I could tell. I remember looking at the um, the menu once. I don't know if it's still there. It was a while ago. Uh, Caustic Cause. No idea. That was the band that Sandin was in. Before no effects, and they were actually reasonably successful on a local level, but they were all much older than him. They were all like thirty, and they weren't <laughs> really playing the sort of stuff that he wanted. And he just had more fun with no effects. So it was a, a pre-no effects band for uh, Eric Smelly. Uh, Simpsons appearance. This is the last one that I'm familiar with. Oh yeah. Um. So. <clears throat> I believe Fat Mike and El Jefe, their names appear in a Simpsons episode. There's like a wall of like past students at the elementary school or something. And it includes El Jefe, Fat Mike, I think Henry Rollins and Jello Biafra are also on the wall. It's kind of unclear why, but they are there. I, f- I think it's a veterans wall. Ah, uh, yeah. I yeah. think it might be like a Vietnam-style memorial or something like that, which makes mm. it even funnier that they put punk bands on it. Yeah, um, pacifists. Or, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, Jello Biafra. When I was out fighting in Vietnam! <laughs> of course you were, love. <laughs> and, uh, well, know. it was his holiday in Cambodia, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll probably be the joke, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, uh, and then, uh, yeah, Henry Rollins went over and just told them that if they just, you know, use that energy to do something positive, they could really change their scene. And then they stabbed him with punji sticks. <laughs> My guess. Uh, so yes, they were they were featured on The Simpsons in the background. Uh, Dave Allen, not sure. the Irish comedian. Yeah, I was going to say not the Irish comedian. No, Dave Allen. Uh, no, no, I don't know them. He was the he was their singer. Really. He he was he sang for them for a tiny little blip of time, I believe. He died in a in a car crash, or he was in the oh. band briefly, very briefly. When Mike decided, "I'm bad at singing, we ought to get a, a lead vocalist." Um, oh yeah, lead vocals in 1986. He died in 1986. So, oh, that's yes, uh, it is a shame, but uh, I don't think he was recorded on anything either. But yes, I don't know. I can't remember if he died while he was in the band or if he left and then died shortly afterwards, but he wasn't there for very long. And that's a great shame. 
Uh, El Jefe in Bad News Bears. Now, I actually do know this one. It's oh. So, like, didn't they spread a rumour that El Jefe was in Bad News Bears? That there's actually no evidence that he was in Bad News Bears, but they <laughs> maintain to this day that he, he was. It was one of the reasons they stopped doing interviews. They just... Okay. They just kept on lying, making up stuff, <laughs> and said, "Oh, El Jefe was in Bad News Bears," and Jefe was like, "Yep," and that just became became uh, gospel. So, yeah. no effect spreading misinformation wherever they go. Uh, fat wrecked for twenty five years. Hoax. Did they pretend that they'd been around for twenty five years and they hadn't, or something? Uh. I don't know. I mean, they have been, but... Yeah, they would have been by now, I I would imagine. But, like, did they... I mean, the thing is, it's not quite a hoax. I think it was that they did their 25-year anniversary celebration on their 26th year. Oh, okay. I think they'd actually been going... They'd been going 26 or 24. I think that was it. They did their 25th celebration when it wasn't the 25th of course but not by not by like 10 years difference but by like a year either way so um i think that's what it is i don't know if i'd call that a hoax no. see about that yeah no there's there's nothing on it that says it was a hoax particularly so that was probably more of a mistake uh false alarm well i think false alarm is the first single released by the bronx but i'm guessing it's not <laughs> it's not i think it was uh the name before they chose no effects or it was a uh, band mike was in before no effects yeah no I, I i i have heard that before yeah yeah i think yeah mike mike was in false alarm before no effects uh senator mike Burkett. did he stand as a senator did he try to get elected i don't know why this is on the so deep on the thing because there's literally a senator who has the same name as Mike oh yeah Paquette. I thought yeah it's it's really not even that interesting uh, unfortunately I had a look earlier because I thought have I missed an entire thing because I know Jello Biafra stood for like mayor of San Francisco mm-hmm. in like 1979 or 80 or something but now it's just senator just, seems pretty high up as well yeah like, exactly I would have been yeah. like oh maybe if it was a different position. But like yeah. senators, pretty. Yeah, no, uh, just just a a, a democratic uh, senator for somewhere. It's, it's ain't that deep, bro. Um, and then finally, two finally. Scots. Yeah, two Scots. I'm not familiar. I've I've heard these names uh, throughout our. You know, like obviously we've reviewed a lot of their work by now, so I feel like these names have come up at some points, but I can't remember when it was they were both drummers for a brief period of time in 85 and 86 when eric smelly wasn't in the band oh okay so they lost a smelly and they gained two scots they got a scot for a while and a scot for very brief and then smelly returned oh that's nice and in fact that was during the time that dave allen was in so uh, eric ne- eric smelly never played with uh uh, Dave Allen. Oh, that's sad. Passed like ships in the night. So, yep. I am still imagining the Irish comedian, though. Like every time we say, <laughs> "Oh, Dave Allen," when he used to sing for No Effects, I am imagining an Irish comedian from the seventies who's missing yeah. a finger. Um, yeah, who's just 
that there's a band playing full pelt around him and he's sat there in his 50s on a stool with a little ashtray and a glass of whiskey next to him. Yeah, doing a joke Just about a slowly, watch. Yeah, slowly telling a story. <laughs> oh, you know, that was Terry Wogan. That was awful. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great. Love Steve. Uh, love Dave Allen. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was the two Scots and that rounds out our iceberg. Well, what do you think at home? I think that was really, really interesting, actually. I've genuinely learned a lot from Netflix mm-hmm. from this episode. I hope people at home have as well. I know. Should we have done this first? I don't <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Nine months later, we realise we should have done this much earlier. But uh, that's it. So if you if you can think of anything you think should be on there, or like me, think that Senator Mike Burkett... That's that's just two men having the same name. It's not it's not weird, um, but yeah, well, that shouldn't be there. Punk Rock Elite Podcast at Gmail dot com. Well, we've been wow, we've been at this for a while. Let's bounce you back out to the outro, uh, whatever present day Red and Eddie have got going on, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Red. Thank you. The No Effects Iceberg. How many of those facts did you know? Let us know. Punk Rock Elite Podcast at gmail.com. Don't really have much more to say. Um, you heard the ads again, or you skipped them. Either one is fine. So get tickets to see Red and I if you are around those places. We'd love to see you. And yeah, we'll see you again for one more before Christmas. And then we'll be off on our holidays. So thank you ever so much for listening. We really appreciate it. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a Pick Scrapes and Fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.